0: Welcome to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. In each episode of this podcast, we will examine and discuss some of the difficult, challenging, and often messy topics associated with church and Christianity and our faith. Whether you are curious, skeptical, and unsure about Jesus, new to church, or maybe even a longtime devoted follower, this podcast is designed to bring the message of the gospel to the everyday messes of life. Welcome everybody to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. My name is Robert Nash. I'm the communications pastor here at Autumn Ridge Church. I'm so glad you are listening. I hope you've enjoyed our first two episodes so far. This is episode three, and of course, I mean, you can't have Church is Messy podcast with Rick Henderson without Rick Henderson. It would just be weird if you weren't here. (laughs) I suppose so. And I talk to myself about anything and everything. Well, Rick, welcome. Good morning. Um, Man, your message this past weekend... That was some really good, powerful stuff. And
1: uh, Well, I appreciate you saying that. I, I'm curious, what was it that resonated with you? What, what caused
0: you to, to say that? I think as as uh, a Christian who has been a Christian since he was eight years old, mm-hmm. right, the Bible... It's not that I just believe it just because, but it's always nice to, to have to stop, take a step back, and reflect, why do I believe sure. this book so much, and, and the reasons you gave... Within what, 35 minutes? Yeah. Were great reasons. And I told you after uh, one of the run throughs, I said, I bet you had to leave a whole mess of stuff. On the editing room floor, because there's so much you could say. Oh, there's a lot of stuff I would have loved to talk to talk about. I mean, there there are
1: things that I had included that I just had to highlight and delete. There yeah. just simply there simply wasn't time. But you know, so you became a follower of Jesus when you're eight years old. Yeah, i was using an illustration that I heard someone else uh, use, and I I found it very helpful, and hopefully uh, it's encouraging and and helpful uh, to those who are listening, whether they're uh, devoted followers of Jesus or kind of doubting and not sure whether or not they should should trust when you were 8 years old probably like I did we trusted the bible for the same reason that we believed that the center of the earth is like molten that's <laughs> lava, right exactly right it's not because we've been down there and, and seen it ourselves it's because we trusted the reliability of other people who know right. and shared that with us right. and that's appropriate for children to trust an authority who knows as a matter of fact i don't even know That you can escape that at any point in life. We always trust in authorities uh, who know. And one of the reasons that our nation has been so divided over these past couple of years is... We dis we disagree with each other over who the trustworthy authorities mm. are for things like medicine or uh, counting ballots right. or what's happening and in, in what's really happening behind the scenes and and all kinds of uh, different investigations. I don't want I don't I don't want to stray into <laughs> political stuff too much. And so I'm not making a statement about anything except that. People disagree over who the trustworthy sources of authority are, trustworthy sources of information. And so we started off believing it because we trusted our parents or we trusted maybe someone we knew at church. There's somebody important in our life Mm -hmm. who we respected, who we knew that we could trust. They told us we could trust the Bible, so we did. As we grew into teenagers... Into adults that had to transition into a more mature, right. robust adult kind of faith, where I'm it's not like I stopped trusting in that person, mm-hmm. but I needed to know what are the reasons
0: for my trust, my confidence, my C- hope. Certainly. So I remember very well. I mean, I like to make the joke. I think you've even said it before. It must be a Southern Baptist thing, right? I started going to church nine months before I was born. You know, when, when my mom was carrying me, I sure. was going to church, and yeah. I kept going to church forever. Yeah. And I knew I knew all the stories, I knew all the songs, and I loved Jesus, and I gave my life to him. I became a, a devoted follower of his. But I remember my uncle uh, is a pastor. He's retired now, but he's a pastor, and he has just an amazing library of books. And anytime I got to go visit him, I didn't want to I love my cousin, but I just wanted to sit down and read these books, even at a young age. And it was reading these yeah. these books and telling me more and like thing, you know, discoveries they've made and archaeology and and all these different things that really begin to solidify for me why what I believe could be true, and it really uh, expanded and strengthened my faith and my relationship with him. Uh, for anybody who didn't hear the message, um, number one, whatever you're listening on right now, you can search Autumn Ridge Church Sermons. It's uh, it's week three of the Great Divide series. Um, give it a listen, then come back and and expand with this one. But Rick, can you give people just a quick recap of what you talked about?
1: Yeah, we're asking the question, are there any good reasons to trust the Bible? And we're calling this series The Great Divide because people are divided. And the way that some people present it, uh, certainly Richard Dawkins, who Mm -hmm. was um, referred to in the message, it's not our intent to make fun of him or to insult him, but he presents it. Like this, uh, you want to be a reasonable person. I'm not quoting here. I'm just right. paraphrasing. You want to be a reasonable person where well, you plant yourself on on one peak, uh, one mountaintop. If you want to be a person who takes the Bible seriously as a source of historic. Uh, historical truth, moral truth, spiritual truth, you got to plant yourself on another mountaintop, and there's a great divide between those two things, and they're irreconcilable. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I'm saying, no, those two things are not irreconcilable. Faith is not in a competition Mm. with reason. It is the consequence of reason, or it's Mm. the natural result of reason. You trust in things that are... That are true. And quickly, the the things that I shared that convinced me, these are not all the reasons, these are just some of the reasons. The Bible is reliable historically and supported archaeologically. In addition uh, to that, the hyper accuracy of biblical prophecy demands an explanation. You just have to have an explanation for it. And I believe that the best explanation, I'm persuaded for a variety of reasons, which we went through in the message, that the best explanation is this comes from God. This is not human origin. This really is a message from God, and we can be confident in that. And the last reason that I gave, and there are more, but the last reason okay. that I gave is I read the Bible seriously because it reads me meticulously. I'm absolutely persuaded the exact same way that we see Jesus interacting with people, Jesus who's described as the word, the logos, mm-hmm. is the exact same way that we can expect the Bible to engage with us, to interact with us. It it, it exposes me. I, one of the things I said in the message, it lays bare. Mm. I, I've just lost track of the times that it is laid bare. Um, my deep insecurities, yeah. my fears that I thought that I had kept hidden, even from myself. Yeah. Um, it has this uncanny ability to truly expose my motivation and for me to see how conflicted I am. And and I want to think of myself as being... Um, motivated uh purely by virtuous means, but there's also some deep-seated selfishness and and some ugliness in there. And the, the Bible just continually exposes that. And yet mm. I keep being met with this unedited, unfiltered message of grace that's wooing right. me to trust in Jesus. That's profound to me. Um, I, I, I found one of the things I, I said in the message is I found life, mm. life that is truly life. I found joy. Uh, there's a tremendous source of of wisdom, right? Um, listen, I, I don't know if somebody could call themselves a wise person. I don't think of myself as a wise person, but sometimes people say, "Rick, I, I think you're, I think you're wise." And, and what I really would would love to be able to just kind of say, "This is how mm-hmm. I think about that." If there is wisdom in me, I'm convinced yeah. that it has come uh, from a lifetime of studying what I read in God's Word and simply trying to apply it to to life. Um, it, it there are all kinds of promises made. One of the most profound promises that, that's made in the New Testament is that for people who love Christ, who mm. are called according to his purposes, whatever happens in your life, that God will bend it. He, mm. will, he will manipulate it. He will cause it to work out for your good. My life is, an, is, is, an, uh, is episode after episode. It's, a, it's an ongoing saga of that promise being proven true
0: that verse you just uh, referenced one of my favorites and i think one of the first messages i got to do here at autumn ridge i use that verse mm-hmm. um talking about yeah there's going to be things in life that happen that you don't understand how that fits mm-hmm. in with you know god's plan which was kind of what yep. uh, last week's message was about but what i love about the verse you mentioned is the the literal translation is not you know all things work out for the good yeah. it's all things work out for the absolute best for you mm and that's some that can be hard to see for us but but, sure. but certainly and when you see it over and over like yeah. that it's it's hard to argue um you mentioned prophecy as one of the reasons yeah let conversations i've had with people they're like i mean you know those prophecies they're you can interpret them any way you want to and and that maybe just comes from not having uh, a greater understanding of what these prophecies well, in the bible we, are. Can
1: we just pause and say well you can it's true sure. that you have the ability to interpret anything yeah. any way that you want to um <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're being it doesn't mean that you're that you're being right. reasonable like we talked in in Daniel chapter I reference Daniel chapter two um uh, Daniel says this is what that prophecy means mm-hmm. there are times it it Listen, I, I want to be open handed. I want to be kind. I really do want to be charitable. There are times that we read stuff in the Bible, and good hearted, intelligent people disagree, and say, oh, it could mean this, or it could mean it could mean that." I'm not I'm not I don't want to open a can of worms on on stuff that divides yeah. people right now. Well, I'm happy to do that later. Uh, but there are, there are plenty of times that that sort of thing happens. Last episode, mm-hmm. we we got to chat with. Uh, Svea Mary, it's pronounced Svea. But yes, no, go on. You're, you're wrong. You're wrong. You can't <laughs> interpret that any way you want to. Uh, but she and, and and what she shared a part of her story when she referenced what was happening uh, in John chapter 11. Jesus said to his disciples, talking about his buddy Lazarus who mm-hmm. had died. He said he's merely sleeping, yeah. and they took him literally. He must just be sleeping. And then Jesus had to say, let him know that he was being figurative. No, he had he had he had passed away. Right. There are people who were not just close to Jesus, face-to-face, who were companions of mm-hmm. Jesus, who sometimes just misunderstood what he said in conversation, and Jesus Jesus had to clarify it. So yes, there is truth, mm-hmm. it is a reality that people can misinterpret, or you, you can interpret something any way you want. That doesn't mean that it's legitimate. And there are many uh, tools at our disposal to mitigate mm-hmm. against cognitive dissonance, uh, confirmation yeah. bias, and to really understand what authorial intent was, what did the author
0: mean? Right.
1: I think we can know that. Yeah,
0: hermeneutics, right? Yes. One of my favorite classes in uh, in seminary was hermeneutics. You know, yeah. what was the culture? When was the time? What was the language being used? I, all that stuff. When you when you read the Bible with those things in mind. Mm-hmm it opens up an entire world to you and and a lot of the things that might be confusing. It's like, Oh, that makes more sense now. Sure. Um, I want to touch on, on this a little bit. You didn't mention it in your message. Um, but a lot of people will will say about the Bible, well, it can't be true. There's too many contradictions in there. There's contradictions between the Old and New Testament. There's contradictions within the Gospels. What would you say to somebody who comes up to you and says, I'm not going to believe it because it doesn't even believe itself?
1: Sure. Well, I would say to, to anyone, well, what you're touching on is one of the tests for truth. Mm. It's so if you instead of me giving a quick answer, yeah. can I slow down and, and and give a give a more expanded it's your podcast, right? answer. podcast. <laughs> answer. People can stop listening. Yeah, that's right. Anytime Take a pause and you want. need a break. Um, so w- we talk about something being true mm-hmm. and by that we're talking when we say truth, we're talking about describing reality as it actually is. Right. There are two tests for truth, correspondence and coherence. Okay. Correspondence means that something um, takes into account all the relevant facts, data, and evidence. Right, right. It's so sometimes when I'm talking to people, I, 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 I'll use something. I'll say something silly like you know, I being the tallest pastor at Autumn Ridge, and you know, <laughs> okay, well, yeah. Well, you can just <laughs> stand me next to basically every <laughs> other pastor at Autumn Ridge. I, ha-
0: I have an inch on you, and I know I'm short. So yeah. yeah, and so well, that doesn't
1: that. That contradicts yeah. the relevant um, facts, data, and yeah. evidence that that we have. So we're so we take a statement. How does it how does it square up with the facts? Yeah. Now the second that you're talking about is, is contradiction. It's not just con- we're not just talking about a contradicting relevant facts, data, and evidence. We're talking about coherence. Does something contradict itself? Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it internally consistent? And what people are saying is, you know what that is. They're saying, I think the Bible is not um, is not coherent. It is, it's not internally consistent. You mm-hmm. never really kind of know what, what you're going to get. And when I'm in a conversation like that with someone, I say, but, "But tell me which which contradiction it is that you're that you're talking about." There are many things in life that upon on first glance it looks like it's contra- contradictory, mm-hmm. but upon further review, we discover that it's not. Yeah. Anybody who is a parent. has had to has learned that you, you you're 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 trying to teach that to your kids because our kids are trying to to reconcile things uh, and they're like well you said this and, and then you say that and you know and yeah. they're like okay yeah but I'm not contradicting myself this is how both of those things are are true at right. once I remember one time uh, our oldest daughter um, who uh, she's last last into our family and yet she's the oldest because yep. we had the, we had the privilege of, of adopting her and she had the opportunity to work somewhere that Heather and I. We were just, uh, we were convinced this would not be a life giving place to work. Yeah, and so we said, no. Listen, we we can't we can't support that. And she said, well, you said get a job, and so I go out and I get a job. <laughs> and she said, you're being contradictory. No, 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 we're not being contradictory. Yes, we want you to get a job. And yes, we want you to get a job in a place that's life giving, not in a place that would be that would be harmful to you. First right. glance, for her, it looked contradictory. Further, upon further review, it's not contradictory. So we got to figure out what is it, what is the thing. Sometimes people say, "Well, you know, God in the Old Testament is one way, and He seems very different in the New Testament." Well, what exactly is it that we're Right. What exactly is it that we're talking about? And I, I'm I'm not persuaded that that's true. God in the Old Testament was incredibly loving. Read Psalm 51. Yeah. Right. And, and you say, but, but 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 that's not no no no. But I thought God in the Old Testament was incredibly harsh. Look at all the look at all the the the, the cruel things that happened. And then Jesus is super soft and sweet and you know hippie Jesus, h- right? hippie yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. and love poetry all the time. Well, <laughs> all right. One of the one of the one of the best known uh, verses in the New Testament is John three sixteen. Right, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have ever but have eternal life. That seems great. And then after that, Jesus goes on to talk about that those who do not believe sure. in him are already condemned. Yeah, right. So Jesus. Um, Jesus talked about condemnation. Jesus had some heavy things to say. We're going to talk about this very soon. Jesus had a lot of things to say mm. about hell. What do we, what do, we yeah. do with that? But then on the cross, we see that it is not a contradiction. We see two things come together at once. Simultaneously, God's intense, white-hot, mm. perfect wrath for sin and evil and injustice yeah. and his love yeah. for goodness and holiness and people simultaneously jesus is the jesus is the cheat code <clears throat> to understand <clears throat> so many things that are that are confusing when we see him we see the father uh-huh. when we when we see him we know we know what god truly is like and we know what life is actually intended in, intended to be so um another thing that sometimes people have to understand is there's Sometimes things are not contradictory. Instead of a contradiction, it's a contradistinction.
0: Okay, go on to that. Yeah. Okay,
1: so let's say uh, you and I went to a concert, mm-hmm. right? And he you listened
0: the news. What's that? Huey Lewis in the news. That's oh. where we're at. All right, so that's <laughs> where we're going. Huey,
1: huey. And you talk about one thing mm-hmm. at the concert, and then I tell I tell the exact same story, but I emphasize different details, and I leave out details that you included. And people would say, "Well, Rick, well, you said this, but then Nash said that." It's not that those things contradict; Mm-mm. they're contra distinct, right? Right, and so they are different details uh, held side by side, emphasizing different things, not canceling. Each other out,
0: which is what you see. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—the four gospels. Right? People will look at that and say, "I mean, they're both talking about the same event, and they're talking about it in very different ways,
1: highlighting different details. Yeah, uh, emphasizing different things." By the way, this is what you expect in eyewitness testimony. Yeah. Talk to any any investigator. Yeah. Whether it's a criminal investigator, uh, whether it's a, whether it's a journalist, when people tell the same story in the exact same way. It's indication that it's rehearsed yep. and inauthentic. Yeah. When people tell the exact same story emphasizing different things, and um, contradistinction, right. like we're talking about, it is indication that it is authentic, that they truly were eyewitnesses. Yeah. So listen, if people, are, if people are concerned about contradiction, we need to know, well, which one are you talking about? I listed a few references mm. in the message notes. Yep. I'd love for people to go to autumnridge.church. Yeah, for sure. You can access the message notes. A great book to read is God a Moral Monster by Paul Copan. Great book. It's a great book. If you don't, if you don't want to read, there are a series of lectures that he has on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I think you'll find that helpful. Um, but really if you're concerned that the Bible really is uh, this kind of incoherent mess of contradictions, I want you to go to the airmanproject.com. Okay. The airmanproject.com E H R M A N. Okay. Project Bart Ehrman is one of the, is a world renowned New Testament scholar. Uh, he is uh, a highly committed agnostic mm-hmm. who regularly engages in debates and with Christians and critiques of Christianity. Wow. Um, and the Ehrman Project dot is um, chock full of resources, mostly uh, short video uh, interviews with other scholars who provide responses to some of the critiques that, okay. that, that Airman responds. So if you're concerned about that, go to the Airmanproject.com. Listen, there are many, many resources out there that I think will uh, help people know what are the good reasons and you, you, can, you can dig into those and you're going to find
0: that is a deep well. Fantastic. It's a deep well. We'll put all that in the show notes, so you Mm -hmm. don't worry. Don't think I need to stop and write it down. It's in the show notes. Just go look at that, uh, including the websites and the books uh, that we mentioned during the episode. Um, Kind of switching lanes here a little Mm bit. One part of your message, you said, paraphrasing, uh, we've all picked a foundation on which we live our life. Yeah, that's true. I want you to, to talk a little bit about that more because you and I had a conversation before we hit record about how that foundation is is really poured into place. Would you talk a little bit about that for everybody? Yeah, and some people might
1: balk at that, and in some ways it's, it's understandable. We are all building our life on a fundamental set of assumptions. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're raised, typically— um, are, Typically, people from the same culture start off with the same same kind of, of assumptions. Yeah, um, but. Uh, we're talking about everybody builds their life on something that everybody picks a foundation. Maybe we don't start off picking it. We just kind of inherit it. Right. And we're doing it without even, without even thinking about it, you know, and these fundamental assumptions that we're talking about, uh, have to do with how you see the world, Mm -hmm. how you see yourself, how you see right and wrong, whether or not you think Nickelback is a good band (laughs) or not. Uh, It's just what we're talking about is what we're talking about is what a lot of people refer to as worldview. Mm -hmm. There are other there are other tags that people use to label that, but I, I think worldview is a very helpful thing. Uh, it's how you view all of life and yourself. Right. Um, so typically, we start off receiving that or inheriting that from our parents or uh-huh. whoever it is we grow up around. Um, one of the ways that I talk about it, and I hope this doesn't sound heavy-handed. I don't mean it negatively mm, okay. at all, but we're all being indoctrinated sure. by our culture. And, yeah. and I don't mean brainwashed. I mean... Well, we're given a set of doctrines or fundamental beliefs about ourselves and about life from from our culture. We just inherited. Yeah. Um, another way to th- say that is uh, we're all being catechized you know, right? by our culture, or we're being given given structures for thinking by our culture. Gotcha. you and here's here here's one that if you grow up in in the in the modern western world uh if you grow up in the United States of America just kind of a fundamental assumption that we all kind of start off with is i'm most free when i'm able to define things for myself right i'm most free when i'm able to do what i desire deep down right okay well, that may or may not be true, and it's not really my intent to uh, to argue for or against that right <laughs> yeah. now. But just to but to say, that didn't start with you. You started with that.
0: Ooh. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. And that is not a universally recognized idea. That's not a universally recognized fundamental assumption. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not universally embraced in all cultures today, nor has it been embraced throughout uh, universally throughout human history right but it is something that we naturally embrace in in our culture we just kind of start off here's another one that uh that uh the racism is wrong yeah i agree with that yeah it's wrong to discriminate it's wrong to mistreat somebody mm-hmm. based on uh, their ethnicity based on their beliefs uh based on um, their their sexual orientation, yep. their gender identity. I mean, all of all of those, all of those kinds of things. Hey, listen, I'm I'm for that. I'm certainly not arguing against that. That's not universal. Right. Right? It's not it's not in every culture. And it certainly doesn't reflect um the majority of human history. Sure. It's a part of it's a part of our cultural ethos that we just kind of inherit that's part of our foundation. Everybody it's like everybody's born into this worldview river. And you're just floating along with the current. And what at some point, you become conscious of it. Right. You become aware of it. And you have to decide, listen, I'm, I'm going to swim with the current or I'm going to swim against the current. Okay. And what I'm challenging people to do is don't just go with the current. If, you, if you're skeptical, if you're a doubter, if you're, if you're hesitant to believe, don't just go with the current of that. Do you have good reasons for actively withholding belief? If you don't have good reasons, you're being arbitrary. Right. If you are a believer, if you're devoted, don't simply receive that from others and just kind of float with the current of of being raised right uh, in a, in a, in a in a believing in a believing household, uh, a believing culture You got to decide what are your reasons. I mean, what are if you don't have good reasons for trusting in Jesus,
0: how do you know that you're not being gullible? Right, and and I think with the very first podcast for this, uh, church is messy, kind of ties into that a lot because Mm -hmm. sometimes people are afraid to examine why they believe what they believe. They're concerned that maybe what they believe isn't true, or they're going to face some challenges that they don't know how to to handle or deal with. There might be change involved yeah. with what they find. But but it's so important. Yeah, I mean, and when you understand why you believe what you believe. Yeah.
1: I wonder, I can't help but wonder if people, uh, the three people who are listening right now... <laughs> <laughs> Me, you, and uh, our my mom. My mom, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, if... Uh, if, if if there's a there's a buzzword that's okay. popular right now, yeah, and the buzzword is deconstruction. Oh, yeah, if I can't help but wonder if people are 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 wondering, am I arguing for deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I'm ready to talk about that about deconstruction right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fairly confident that it will. It will be the lion's share of a message in September. Okay, great. during our sacred series. Okay, I'm not ready to marry myself to that right Fair now. Fair enough. Okay. but uh, but I'm thinking we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. And as be- as I understand deconstruction, there are at least two examples from Christian history. Okay. who we celebrate who engaged in deconstruction. Throw them, Martin Luther. Yeah, and John Wesley.
0: Yeah,
1: um, both had to reject the religious foundation that they were building their lives on and turn to a saving faith in Christ. Right. And so what I know that there are some people who are afraid of the word deconstruction. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's kind of what the Bible is talking about. When we read the word repentance, turning away from an old direction, turning away from an old set of idols, turning away from an old foundation, and building on a new foundation, mm. which is Christ. Yeah. Um, so, listen. I'm not. I'm not. I don't think of the word deconstruction as a good word or as a bad word. Yeah. Uh, it is a buzzword, and people are trying to um, make sense of a phenomenon that's going on in other people and going on inside themselves. Right. And so. Um, I said I wasn't ready to talk about it. (laughs) Obviously, I am. Let me just say a few more things. That's fine. (laughs) Um, Who should engage in deconstruction or saying, you know what, I'm going to unhitch myself Mm -hmm. um, from a from a from a way I've been living or I'm disentangling myself right. from a way that I've been living uh I heard someone on a different podcast use this word unbundle
0: oh okay <laughs> I thought
1: that 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 was really interesting concept i like that. uh you can check that out on the holy post okay um then um or we even talk about repentance yeah um if you have built the wrong kind of life on the wrong foundation mm. Deconstruction sounds like a good idea. For sure. If you've built the wrong kind of life on the right foundation, mm. deconstruction sounds like a good idea. I think about Paul saying, listen, there's one foundation, which is Christ. He's talking to believers. Yeah, Some people are building really good things on it. They're building, um, and he used the metaphor of gold and jewels. and uh, He said, but some people are building worthless things on it. And sure. he used the metaphor for wood, yeah. wood, hay, and stubble to, to, to represent that. And um, and Paul was encouraging to build a life of joyful, mm-hmm. grateful obedience on the foundation of Christ. Yeah. Right? It's So it is possible for a believer to build the wrong kind of life on the right foundation. And I would mm-hmm. say deconstruction or repentance is a good idea. Yeah. Um, And then it's possible to try and build the right kind of life on the wrong foundation. I think deconstruction sounds a good idea there too. Or repentance sounds like a good idea. Or disentangling ourselves uh, is a good idea. If you build your life on the foundation of, you know what, the material world is all there is. This life is is all there is. You're born, you die, you have to make Mm. the most of it. Mm um and because it's limited because time is limited it feels more precious to me wow yeah it's so because this time is precious to me and because i love people in my life i'm going to try to spend the best of the rest of the time that i have mm-hmm. loving and doing good for other people i would say to that person i think you're trying to build the right kind of life but you're building it on a broken foundation the only the only the only foundation that can support that and ultimately make sense of the beliefs that are um, that are packed in all of what I just described is Jesus Christ himself mm. so anyway, we're supposed to be talking about reliability <laughs> of the Bible and somehow we got we got we got off uh we got off on this, but I think this is how it relates okay. Uh, let's tell me bundle it together let's see let's <laughs> let's, let's let's see if i'm making sense okay. here what we're talking about is a real serious real rigorous kind of self-examination that's driven by what but peter said first peter three fifteen, revere christ as lord in your hearts or in your hearts revere christ as lord and always be prepared uh to give a reason. Always be able to explain to somebody else the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. That requires some reflection to look at why have I trusted what I trusted? Why do I believe what I believe? Mm-hmm. And if I don't know, I need to I need to go back yeah. and 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 figure it out. Well, what is it that I'm trusting? Why have where have I trusted in the right thing? Have I trusted in the wrong thing? But if you're a believer, you should be able to to say, okay, I have this hope in Christ. This is what convinced me. Yeah. This is this is part of what persuaded me to say, yes, I'm building my life on Christ. You have to be able, you have to be able to talk about. You have to be able to talk about that. And and so reflect on it, do some serious, rigorous introspection, and then be able to to explain that to others.
0: Is it okay that I play devil's advocate? as a pastor. Is that allowed real quick? Sure, So you're talking about always be ready to give an explanation. Peter talked about always being ready to give an explanation, but how, I mean, how realistic is that? People may hear that and think, that's easy for you, you went to seminary, you preach every weekend, you study the Bible for a living. That's my job, It's your job. How realistic is it for everybody else?
1: Well, one, I would just say this, what's the the alternative? What's the alternative? Build your life on something, and you have no good reasons why. Right. That's either gullible or arbitrary. I mean, you yeah. pick. Um, but let me Oof. tell the story. Okay. I remember uh, it, this is gonna this is gonna show you what kind of dad <laughs> I am. Good or bad, <laughs> uh, we used to live in Salt Lake City, and the dominant religion in Utah is Mormonism. Right. And they use a lot of Christian-type language, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I and I understand that they have very different definition of who Jesus is, a very different definition definition of who God is, right. who humanity is, where we came from, all of that. Um, they're very different. They're very different things. And just real quick. Real mm-hmm. quick, if there's anybody out there who is LDS mm-hmm. or who uh, who has LDS friends, hey, I do. I do too. I mean, I lived in Salt Lake for in the Salt Lake area yeah. for seven years. Are people I really care about? Um, simply using the same name doesn't mean we're talking about the same person. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so uh, some of our couples, uh, some some of our couple friends uh, are are Aaron and Heather. Yeah. And my wife's name is Heather. Mm-hmm. And so, if I went home with his wife, if we were hanging out at dinner, and I, and I went home with his wife, uh-huh. is that the same thing as going home with my wife? Definitely not. To they're your the wife, they're the same yet. name. <laughs> it's the same name, right? It's so it's not just the name; it's the definition of the person behind the name. Yeah, it's who does that name represent? And, mm-hmm. and so what? I, what I'm what I'm getting at is that's the that's the major. Um, it's, the, it's a major point of distinction mm-hmm. between um, historic Orthodox Christian faith... And Mormonism. Maybe we can talk about that at another time. That's right. A future episode. And so we're down in Temple Square in Salt Lake City. We had some family in town, and every time we would have family come to visit us or or friends come and visit us, people wanted to go down there. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. So we're going through Temple Square. There's all kinds of different buildings, and uh, there are missionaries there, and there are... Typically 18, 19, 20 year olds, maybe sometimes a little bit, a little bit older, mm-hmm. who are serving a two-year mission and they're trying to represent uh, the the LDS faith and the Mormon Church. Yeah. And, and so we're down there, and my daughter, who was in middle school at the time, okay. she said, Dad, I want to talk to a missionary. I'm like, all right, let's let's go talk. And so we ended up striking up conversations with uh, these fantastic uh, college age young ladies and who were incredibly friendly, yeah. uh, really engaging. And so this was my daughter's question. There are all kinds of religions in the world. Why are you convinced this is the right one?
0: She's like seventh grade. I was like hiding on the floor when people came to my door to talk to me about Jesus in seventh grade. But that's that's great. <laughs> seventh grade, all kinds of religions
1: in the world. Why are you convinced this is and the this is the right one? And man, did they squirm! And I did. I just sat back, and they would like they would they would tell a lot of emotional stories. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with emotional stories, but they could not. Um, they could they. Those people that we talked to were right. not in a position where they could say, "This is why I'm convinced. This is this is true." Mm-hmm. And so we're driving home. The whole family's in the car, and uh, uh, Caroline's uncle uh, is listening to her talk about what happened. He says, "All right, Caroline. So uh, you, why do you?" Like why? Why are you Christian? Like why do you be- believe the Bible? Seventh grade, yeah. right? She just said, "Well, there's all kinds of uh, archaeological evidence that supports the Bible, and so that we can know that they're telling us the truth because yeah. they're not lying to us about things that happened." There's a bunch of manuscripts out there, and we can compare them to each other, and so we know that there's consistency. I mean, right. She just like rattling. She off had this an answer. Us. She was ready and prepared. Dad, I was just Man. so
0: proud. You're pumping you know? your fist, driving yeah. the car. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. Again, no follow-up questions no from the follow-up uncle. questions <laughs> um <laughs> but
1: she but here she's seventh grade seventh grade kid mm-hmm. and she was able to talk about in an intelligible way well these are some reasons that for her for her confidence right everybody you've trusted in something mm-hmm. why have you trusted in it mm-hmm. be able to talk about it it's good for you and it's good
0: for others so how realistic is it to be be prepared to give a defense for your faith. It's very realistic if you take the time to to really examine and and not just believe for the sake of believing.
1: How about this? Okay. If it's realistic for you to meaningfully mm. have a faith, it's realistic for you to be able
0: to say why. Perfect. Once again, this is a topic that you and I could go on and on about. Yeah. Um, I want to close with an easy question. Let's say uh, somebody listening to this podcast, besides you, me, and mom, are, they 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 are new to the faith, they're interested now, they're mm-hmm. a little bit intrigued, and they get a Bible and they look at it and they're like, I don't know, there's a whole lot of pages here. Just your opinion, recommendation, where should they start reading? Mm, that's a good one. Um, if you...
1: That's a that's a good question. I feel I'm not stumped. I just have a couple of different ways that I want to go. Part okay. of me wants to say start with the gospel of John.
0: Yep. Uh um, you hear that yeah, that's usually a common answer for that.
1: But part of me also wants to say, start with Luke. Mm, why is that? You know, open up Luke. And Luke Luke is was like Mark Kent. He's very <laughs> Luke is a Luke is a um he was a physician. Mm-hmm. Was an historian. Yep. Um archaeology and history has proven him to be a, a historian of of the first order. Yeah. Um there have been people who have tried to um, discount Luke and in the process become <laughs> devoted followers of Jesus yeah. because they because they couldn't. But he makes clear, listen, lots of people have set out to write mm. an account of of our faith and of the life of Jesus. And so I've I've done that, and he's writing for a guy named Theophilus, all right? and don't really know who Theophilus is. Uh, it's possible that Theophilus um, is a person of some importance mm-hmm. um, who maybe is able to fund uh, the production of this uh-huh. work. Writing books was incredibly expensive yes. back then. It's one of the reasons why churches would share mm-hmm. a copy. Um, it, they, it just wasn't as easy to to produce. Uh, as things are now which uh is astounding at the great uh sacrifice and cost that right. they went to to produce so many mm-hmm. copies of the New Testament early on. Um but uh Luke is saying listen I'm doing history here. Mm-hmm. I've talked to eyewitnesses. I've dug into this like investigative reporting. I'm, yeah. And so you can you can read Luke through the eyes of an investigative journalist. Mm-hmm. So you could you can start there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not going to hurt you to start with Matthew, uh, Mark, Luke, or John, but I would say start with start with John or start with Luke.
0: Okay, good answer, uh, Rick. Yes, as always, I've enjoyed this greatly. Looking forward to uh, what's coming up next. What's our next message that we're going to discuss here in uh, the Great Divide series?
1: Yeah, next week we're we're talking about is Christianity too exclusive? Mm. How can there be only one way? Right. Why can't I make my own way? Why right. do I even need? Why don't we even need Jesus? That's going to be a good
0: one. Uh, Rick, appreciate it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. It'd be a big help to us if you would subscribe, like, and share with anyone and everyone you know. Not because we need like you know affirmation. We, well, we do enjoy when you subscribe and follow us, but we just want uh, this to be available to everyone, and that's the best way to do it. The best way to get us uh, in the search when people start looking for for episodes and information like this. So we yeah. appreciate it. Hey, uh, listen,
1: uh, yeah. can I can I interject a, a couple of things? We have a way for people to send in response, uh, yes. questions, and we'll do our best to provide meaningful responses. Can you can you give people share with people how to do that?
0: Yeah, the best way we have it. We have an email set up dedicated to this show. Church is messy, so the name of the podcast "Church is Messy" at autumnridgechurch dot org. That Church sounds like messy. a really long email. It's a really it long email. We're working on it, but for now, that is yep. the email. You can connect with us on our Facebook page for mm-hmm. Autumn Ridge Church, uh, our Instagram page. Reach out, call if you know. It's all in the show notes. But we would love for you to to connect with us. We would love for you. To send in questions because yeah. we all have questions and we're not afraid to to approach those questions with the the truth.
1: The intent is to
0: be helpful. That's right.
1: And uh, if there's if there's something that would be helpful for me to talk about or things that you would like for us to address, we want to we want to do that. Our goal is to connect the message of the gospel
0: with the everyday messes of life. Absolutely. And uh, hey, yeah, we would love we would love to connect with you on that. Everything's in the show notes, uh, Rick. I'll talk to you again. Well, I'll talk to you again after this, I'm sure. But we'll be back next week with a new episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to Church's Messy with Rick Henderson. Church is Messy is a registered trademark of Rick Henderson, and this podcast is produced by Robert Nash. Our sound engineer is Josiah Novinger. Our theme song is Bring It. Follow us on Instagram at ARC underscore ROCH. Email us with any questions you might have or topics you would like explored in future episodes at churchismessy at autumnridgechurch.org. For more information on Autumn Ridge Church in Rochester, Minnesota, please visit us online at autumnridge.church. Thank you for listening.